Welcome to the Reinventing Real Estate Podcast, hosted by Rodney Mullen, founder and CEO of Richer Values, Jeff Seal, Vice President of Originations at Ground Floor, and Patrick Donahue, Vice President of Market Risk at Ground Floor. Let's get started. Welcome to episode four, general contracting, what to look for when renovating an investment property. So big thanks to Jonathan Reed in Atlanta, Georgia for, for posing this topic. And so we're gonna dive in and, and, and we hope it's helpful for everybody. So really we thought we would just start out with laying, laying the context, which is we're buying investment property, we're renovating it. <clears throat> First question is, what are the investment goals? Now, typically, obviously, that would be this is a business. We're we're in it to make money. So there needs there's an important distinction first off, which is what are we buying this property for? <clears throat> is it fix and rent? Is it fix and flip? Is it short-term rental? Because already right there, that is going to have a big impact, but we're gonna try to address um, you know, each and every one of those scenarios and and this main overarching question which is what should we be looking for when figuring out how much renovation to do and what renovation to do on, on the property itself. So <clears throat> the first kind of open question is from your, from your guys' perspective, what are some of the key <clears throat> financial metrics that you think are worthwhile to pay attention to um, in evaluating some of these decisions about renovation? Okay, so <clears throat> I think, you know, I'm going to, I would say that, you know, understanding the market conditions and specifically block by block where you're going to be investing in is critical. Um, and there's, uh, there's good information out there about market conditions. Um, the best information is from Richer Values Market Demand Score. It's a very good tool to use. Uh, and we use it in underwriting every day. Nice plug. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I would say that, um, you know, so what I mean by that is, well, there's the dynamic of the neighborhood you're in, right? And then there's the sort of, you know, the, the current conditions of that. So those matter, right? And that's going to, that should dictate, um, sort of end result. So for example, in Atlanta, if you take an area like Kirkwood, um, Kirkwood is, it's not, no longer up and coming, it's arrived. Um, it has very good dynamics, location, the zeitgeist is you know hot for lack of a better expression. So if I'm going in there um, and I'm looking at what my best outcome is, you know, something like that might be the best uh, or the, the most value I can add is to take a property and bring it back fully online for resale since inventory is so low, right? So great neighborhood. How do I add the most value? Uh, that in this area isn't, you know, probably a rental property. It's bring a, bring a property back online um, and, you know, try to maximize uh, resale value. So uh, if we go, say, 
you know, to somewhere like Hapeville, uh, which is, uh, you know, an up and coming area, um, hasn't quite arrived like a Kirkwood. Um, there's all kinds of transitory action there. So there I like the idea of, of putting in, you know, uh, either a short-term rental uh, or, you know, a rental property. Um, so if, if I'm trying to think outside of like the condition of the property and that type of thing, I'm trying to think of what my what my motivation is. I'm looking at the market. I'm looking at the, the, the specific block by block dynamics of what's going on there uh, to determine sort of what I'm going to do. And then also, you know, trust your capability. If you like tearing things down and rebuilding, you know, you want to look for the value add areas. If you like blow and goes where you can get in paint carpet done rinse repeat and you're trying to build transactional volume you know you probably obviously want to go to um rental properties so look for areas that you know are strong there so that's kind of how i would uh, that's how from a thirty thousand foot viewpoint start with this concept no that's a good call so one of the things i guess when it comes to general contracting you got to think about um, and this is kind of Patrick's point. I got to think about the reason you're doing it. Um, I think you still, even though that you have um, a very specific trade um, in the industry, uh, you still need to approach it like like a, like a borrower or an investor would in that area, right? So don't just don't take down the deal because you see a way to uh, continue to move, you know, your construction crew forward. That 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 might keep them moving forward, but that doesn't mean that you're going to exit it and it's going to be a successful transaction. So don't just do it to do it. You, To Patrick's point, um, approach it just like anybody else would um, in that area. Is it the right area for that type of build? Does the, does, does the cost make sense? Um, so I think, it, and, and I, I like working with general contractors, truly. I like the way they walk in and, and, and size deals out. It's very different um, than when you talk to a borrower. Uh, so I'm appreciative of that. Um, but also, it's very easy just to try to make a decision to, you know, just to continue to make paychecks happen for a crew, right? And and, you, and that, that's not a good reason to do a deal because um, you have to exit that deal. Um, so uh, I think uh, I think knowing knowing where you are and knowing what you're trying to do in relation to where you are matters. To Patrick's point. Yeah, that's great, and and really, you're 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 getting at this this larger question, which is the ability or or approach of being nimble with even the investment model so i've always been a proponent of um nimbleness and flexibility because there's a way to maximize the potential for every asset and it's different for every asset and so patrick's point is let's keep that even at the highest level which is let's look at this property and this neighborhood and this block and not come in with a, a, a foregone conclusion of what I want to do. But let's take a first look to say, should this be a rental property? Should this be a premium flip? Should this be a short-term rental? So I, I think, I think that's great. Um, some, some financial metrics that, I think are important um, to evaluate when we're considering those <clears throat> um, are things like, you know, the duration and particularly if it's a fix and flip versus rental. But looking at, I mean, the first metric that most folks will typically look at is gross spread, which is 
hey, I can buy it for X, and what could it be worth when I'm done? So that's kind of your gross spread. But then there's a question of, okay, well, and how long is it going to take me to pull that off, right? And so a new construction versus a heavy rehab with expanded square footage versus I'm keeping what's there and I'm finishing a basement versus, you know, it's, it's as Patrick said, blow and go. So th that the duration of that pro project can really vary and then have a huge impact on carrying costs, finance costs, et cetera. And then the other element is, is oftentimes people will run after the highest potential exit price as if it's like a trophy <laughs> where sometimes you might now go spend a hundred grand on the reno and maybe you've lifted the value by 180, but maybe you could have spent 40 and lifted the value by 140. And so that incremental 60 grand doesn't always get you what you think it's getting you. And then also, then when you're selling the property at a higher price, your disposition costs are higher, your agent commissions, title fees, et cetera. And so um, understanding yes. the financial components of what's going to drive the profits into my pocket at the end of the day is really important. And then when you finally figure that out and look at the different strategies then the last component is okay, but what about my time value of money? So I might make the same amount in strategy A or strategy B, but what if strategy B, you know, is four months faster? Okay, well, I would much rather have my return back in four months and do another deal versus, you know, having it take longer. So that, that time value of money, the IRR. So those are kind of some of the concepts that, that I wrote down in terms of financial metrics to to be looking at um, when starting to evaluate how much renovation to, to do. Yeah. Just cause you can, doesn't mean you should, right? I, it's uh, it's hard to look, it's hard. It's hard not to look at something and think to yourself, man, I could really make this look great. Well, that's great. <laughs> but, but the, the exit, exit disposition and the time frame around that certainly matters. Even if you can do it cheaper because uh, you were part of that labor component. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying there. I think, you know, durations of, I love that you have, you know, you've made two key points about duration. And I think I'd like to, it's so important. I'd like to, you know, also add um, that duration can be widely impacted by um, not understanding uh, what, you know, what's going on with your permitting offices in your locales, right? You should really have a firm understanding of, you know, what permits are going to be required, you should 100% of the time get the permits. Um, if you're not sure, have somebody come out and take a look. Most likely they're going to say you need permits. But um, the bet of not getting permits and doing the work um, is not a good one uh, when permits are required. It's not a good one. It, it, we see stop work orders um, hamper deals on occasion, and it's it's never, um, the outcomes are always in jeopardy, right? When there's a stop work order. So I would say that's important. Um, and then time value of money. I love that concept. It should be um, part of 
your basic understanding of of you know what happens uh what happens uh on what happens on your um pro forma right you should have some some understanding of that financial concept and understand that when you have it listed if you're trying to shoot for the highest arv and it's not the property is not moving what does that cost you on a daily basis um aggregately right and um the market's going to bring to you you know what it's going to bring to you <laughs> at some point you need to accept it right and look a break even isn't always the worst case scenario um it's it's really not it's you know this market's challenging so you may have to uh you may have to come to that term but the longer you fight the break even the greater the impact of time value of money right so um just be cognizant of that and just understand um what's happening every day to profitability and what you could be doing with that money if you had it now on the next deal so these are great points really good points around there yeah and on, and on that carrying cost component <clears throat> uh and it depends on on the value band of the home typically lower value band will have a higher percent higher value bands will have a lower percent but generally speaking i mean in, in most of these instances carrying costs when you include um taxes utilities finance costs will wind up running somewhere between one and a half to two percent a month and so if if let's just say that you know three hundred thousand dollar deal that means it's 4500 bucks to six grand and again it varies you know in in, in some locales you know uh chicago new jersey etc where property taxes are much higher than in other locales that number is higher than that and so oftentimes people don't pay attention to that but it really is a a hole burning in your pocket daily and so i do think it's important to know what are my daily carrying costs on each of these deals because it breaks down so every single day that comes by oh there's another 117 dollars out the door and so um i should therefore be trying to push and execute um to get that renter in or to get it on the short-term rental block or to get it on the market for resale, whatever that exit is. Cause the longer that I wait, you know, it's, it's literally eating into, in, into my own pocket. Right. So, um, yeah, super critical. Let yeah. me uh, make one more point too. Uh, the, one of the ways that ground floor, our debt or our loans supports, um, supports, you know, contractors when they're borrowing money from us during this process is you know the interest that accrues is deferred so you're not making monthly payments during your renovation or when you're listing it or renting it um and you know that that isn't if you're doing especially if you're doing multiple projects at once that's a massive cash flow advantage uh during the life of the loan uh, at the end of the day, the per diem is going to be the per diem and it will accrue. Um, but relative to, you know, the, your ability to manage your cash flows during the project, again, especially of multiple projects, uh, that's one huge advantage 
uh, of using ground floor debt or ground floor loans. And it's why we do it, right? We, we you know, talk, talk a lot to our customers about what's important to them and certain cash flow management during the project is a, was has always been a big one. So I don't know, Jeff, I'm sure that, you know, that's, that's a key factor when you're, when you're talking to clients and approaching clients, but maybe you could comment on that as well. No, very much. Uh, it's, it, it is true. I was thinking the same thing. It's as much as of a benefit it is. Um, it can, it can catch you off guard. And so it does, uh, that per diem matters. It's there, it's real. Uh, whether you pay it monthly or pay it at the end, it's, it's something that needs to be accounted for. So when you're, when you're looking to make that, uh, that last minute addition to try to drive home that that sale price a little bit higher but it's going to take you three months longer to to realize that it's um that is something you absolutely need to consider um and remember that it is there yeah i appreciate you bringing that up it, it's so true no payments is great <laughs> it is it is <laughs> yeah that's huge i didn't actually know that but that that's that's awesome mm -hmm. that, that that your programs work that way Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've been on the investment side for a while, not, um, and, and was not aware that, um, th that's how you guys are structured. And that, that is awesome. That, that, mm -hmm. as you said, that is a great advantage. It sure is. I mean, but it will, it is, it is something that we definitely try to warn people about. Um, cause it will, I mean, <laughs> ignorance is a blissful place to live, right? And you all of a sudden forget about your payments. Um, and that project <laughs> should have taken eight months. You've now taken 11, uh, yeah. And uh, you wonder why your payoff is what it is, right? So, uh, um, no, it's uh, it, it is a beautiful benefit, though. It's one of the one of the things that makes ground floor product as strong as it is. Oh, awesome! So, renovation strategy, um, and some of this will it will it will still be aligned with or correlated with that other question of okay, is it for is it for rent? Is it for short term? Is it for resale? But even within resale, you still have this spectrum of what should we do to the property, right? And it's everything from what we would generally call kind of an as is or cleanup <clears throat> to minimum remodel, partial remodel, full remodel. And then there's really the, this, this, this fifth category, which would be value add, which is expanding the property in one way, shape, or form, finishing a basement, doing an attic, second floor, uh, adding beds, baths, whatever that is, some type of material reconfiguration um, to, to you know expand to, the, to that value add. But that piece aside, let's just look at the other categories of, you know, kind of your, your as is clean out versus min versus partial versus full. So in, in that spectrum, how would you guys define those strategies and what are kind of some of the key market signs? Well, let, let, before we go there, let's, let's just first, you know, for, for everybody's uh, benefit on, 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 uh, on who's listening, tell me how you guys would define each of those strategies. What's minimum, what's partial, what's a full? Uh, I would start with full, um, full, it's generally going to require uh, full permits. Um, you're going to most likely be engaging in the mechanical systems of the house. Um, you may be uh, you may be knocking walls down. Um, you may be uh, either updating or completely redoing um, electrical. Um, you may be adding square footage. So full is probably defined by 
um, uh, permits, but also like one good way to measure this is do you need builder's risk insurance on this or not? Um, and if you do, that's probably a full. Partial would be one aspect of the major systems or maybe maybe being updated significantly. Um, but you know, the houses otherwise and generally the bones are generally in good shape and you're doing, you know, the cosmetic lift plus one maybe system being updated. Uh, and then men would be, you're not touching the mechanicals or the electrical. You're really looking at freshening up probably the look of the house. That's how I would, uh, define minimum. Yeah, I would I would certainly agree with what Pector said. I think, and, and I don't know if this is useful at all, but um, it's probably important to acknowledge how a lender actually views that stuff too, uh, not just from a valuation standpoint, but how a loan gets structured. So we look at it in two different ways. There is, there's heavy renovation and then there's not heavy renovation. And so um, knowing when you're going into and processing through what you want to do to a property, um, your leverage changes greatly based on whether or not you're going to do a heavy renovation um, or, or, or not. And the defining piece is pretty similar for most lenders, and that is whether or not the renovation dollars you're spending breaches the purchase price amount of that property. And when you do, it's classified heavy, heavy renovation. Uh, your leverage typically goes down, so structures of that loan changes. So um, there's there's not necessarily additional costs. They're just additional dollars expected from you. Um, and so that's that's something to consider outside of what Patrick is mentioning here. You know that that's what's going to drive your dollars, but what's going to drive your leverage is how a lender looks at that. Yeah, oh. and uh, how do you how do you define it, Rodney? Because then it, you know the, your reports do an amazing job about drawing out the distinctions between these things and the outcomes, right? Based on what type of renovation. You know, it's one of them. It's in the main body of your report. So I know that, you know, uh, your group, you know, thinks about this critically. And it's one of the advantages of your report. So I'd love I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 interesting that I mean, three three different people and three different aspects of this same question. How we look at it is we look at it based on what we would kind of call target condition level. Um, with respect to the other properties in that locale, in that hyperlocal neighborhood. And so we look at it and say, a minimum remodel, no matter what the current condition, well, not no matter, but let's just say properties in moderate condition or it's in poor condition. A minimum remodel would say, look, we're not really going to um, uh, cosmetically update this thing so much. It's like what you said, Patrick, freshen up. It's what people might call rent ready, but it's making it financeable. So, you know, okay, but maybe the thing's got a roof leak or 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 this or that. We got to fix the deferred maintenance and get it to where you know you shouldn't feel guilty putting a renter in because you know you're worried about the property, right? It should be like, look, it's rent ready. Like, okay, it's still got my you know 1992 cabinets and 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 you know appliances are are you know 15 years old but they work and the systems work and you know it's a functioning oh great minimum remodel that's like your carpet and paint now i say carpet and paint but it means we're doing all the deferred maintenance now a partial reno how we look at it is now it's a target condition level that's a little bit higher and, and we're layering in some updates 
but not everything. So this is what we'd kind of call selective renovation. And so you see it in a lot of locales where, you know, hey, it's got hardwood floors. I'm going to refinish them, but I don't need to go crazy and put in new floors because, you know, this neighborhood, you know, property values are, are, are 160 grand. And like, I just don't need to spend that money. Or like in the kitchen, maybe I will, you know, throw new cabin through, throw new countertops on, but I'm, I'm going to keep the cabinets there. I'm going to paint them, you know, modern gray. So they're going to look cool, but you know, they're the same, you know, 1983 cabinets or better 1953 cabinets, right? <laughs> because look, now I've got a retro look. Isn't it cool? Yeah. It's cool. And then a full reno, that's the now cosmetic update that absolutely everything you were saying, Patrick, from a systems perspective, um, but also we're doing new new kitchen, we're doing new bathrooms, we're doing new windows. Like you're, you know, fully renovating the home to, you know, as much current new specs as possible. Um, and and Jeff's point from a lending perspective is 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 great, which is you know, let's also understand if I'm going to evaluate these strategies, I should also pay attention to what are going to be the potential implications for the mechanics or dynamics of my loan. Um, so it's that that's that's really such a great point. Now let's go to the question. So in the context of how we're how we think about it, target condition level. And what are some of the key market signs that would kind of tip us off to pick one over the other? Why should we do a minimum or, or why is this indicating maybe I should look at a full? What should somebody look at? Well, I mean, I, I think um, I talked a little bit about this in, in you know, my, my opening comments about what that neighborhood needs, right? And what's what's going to perform best in that neighborhood, right? So um, if, if I'm in an area where uh, it need it simply needs, or if I'm in a market where, you know, rental properties are really in short supply, you know, I would look for houses that are rent ready that I could get in and out of very quickly and what Rodney would determine a minimum renovation, right? Um, if, I'm in an, if I'm in a neighborhood it's very upwardly mobile transitioning quickly. You know, I'm looking for the value add where I can go in and create the most value because uh, that's what sort of owner occupants are going to be looking for, right? Um, so it's always, you know, sort of, I hate to harp on this, but the macro always influences the way I talk and look at, you know, individual blocks, right? What's, what's going on out there. Uh, so, you know, it may make sense in this in this interest rate environment and some of the uncertainty that's around uh, to look at maybe uh, in some areas, what what's the uh, shortest duration I can have any exposure out there, right? <laughs> um, and the reverse of that question is if, uh, if I want to time when things are going to be clearly more stable and clearly upwardly uh, progressing, then a longer duration new build actually makes a lot of sense now, especially in the context that, 
you know, home builders in the U.S. generally, by and large, all data shows it pulled back significantly on on new starts and permits in 23, or sorry, 22. It's continuing into 23. So that's you know, that's those are some of the things that I consider. No, that's good stuff. I no, I think that's right. I think people forget that the and 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 general contractors are no different. They understand real estate, but they understand a, a portion of it. And I think we forget that real estate is a, is, is a very, very large and broad statement. And it's not about, it's not about the build or the contracting. It's not just about the lending. Um, it's about all the way up to understanding market conditions. That's where you should start to Patrick's point before you ever make a decision on what you plan on doing that, what you plan on doing doesn't matter. What can the market bear and what will the market bear? Um, that, that is a, very wise way to start into this industry is is not um and this comes up a lot when we're talking to real estate agents you know like we have 20 years experience i'm like yes in trading property yes uh, but there are so many other key components uh, that are needed in order to be a, a successful investor um but no i think that's a great point patrick it's you you do have to understand market conditions some of it's a little bit of a gamble i would imagine um but there is definitely some telltale signs out there that can help you drive home um the the, the decisions that you have to make and, and what you want to do in those areas. I don't know. I, I'm a big fan. I think some of the most uh, successful investors that I see, I, I, I not every three, two needs to be a four, three. Like I, I, <laughs> you know, uh, because it's on a street of three twos. Like, why do we want to do that? I, I just, I, I like the uh, partial renovation um, way to go. It just seems like if you're going to hedge bets, that's just a, just a good way to do it. And then you just focus in on, on, on what you can control and that's purchase price. Yeah. Good. <clears throat> Super interesting. And and with what you guys are, are talking about, and one of the things that we feel and, and, and on the investment side, I, I always felt this way and, and it drove a lot of our decisions is this question about market velocity, which impacts what you're talking about, Patrick, which is duration. So there's duration that we can control kind of, which is the execution and length of the rehab. And then there's duration we can't control, which is, okay, now get it on the market. How long is this going to take? And so that piece can be examined, but in most cases, to Jeff's point, investors or agents are not always really you know, diving into the data to have an understanding of, well, how does market velocity change by renovation strategy? Which kind of homes are selling faster, you know, or slower? And, and, and that, to us, can be a really informative um, marker for, um, you know, giving us some clues as to what does the market want and where is the higher demand. And so, like, in our reports, or we've got a lot of investors that use our software, and you plug in the property and you start running the analytics, it starts to show you what the sale times are by condition level. And so you can see sometimes where, to use your example before of sometimes flippers are holding on to like eke out that last five or 10 grand in, in sale price and not willing to go lower because in their mind, I have to hit this X mark. But therefore, what happens is we see locales where, look at this, the average total time to sale from when properties got listed to where they finally closed out for fully renovated properties was 119 days, 
But look at the ones that were minimally remodeled that were selling for 60 grand less and th they're out in 37 days. And so that's not even, you know, factoring in the point of, oh, and by the way, a minimum remodel might take you three weeks instead of three months or six months. <clears throat> but having an understanding of the market dynamics by renovation strategy we feel is so important because it's telling you what people want and how fast are buyers jumping on product based on how it looks in that area. Is and, that and always sometimes, true? It's, sometimes yeah. minimums better, sometimes partials better, sometimes fulls better. It's changes by neighbor to neighborhood. And 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 if you're watching closely, not just you know taking somebody's recommendation from it because the agent wants you to do you know a really sexy full remodel. But if, if you start to look deeper, you can start to see these um, metrics emerge. And that's why in, in our software and our reports, we put that front as one of the metrics. We put that front and center with market demand score and other components. So you can you can evaluate these strategies better. So, yeah, Patrick. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, how critical do you think this sort of historically low inventory is to that you know, in relationship to that study that you guys did? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always critical. At the same time, all of those metrics that, you know, are being looked at are in real time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's changing all the time. So it's at that neighborhood level and getting an understanding. Now, those sale comps, if you're, let's say, looking at a 12-month, and so some of those sale comps are back from March, April, May of 22, if those are, if you're looking at the full list of comps and those are driving the, you know, fast sale times for your full renos. Okay. So maybe those should be discounted a little bit compared to, well, what mm -hmm. about how long are the, so, so you, you could do that by, you know, shrinking and being flex with the, how many months back, et cetera, but it is a real time thing. And, 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 and these metrics, while nobody has a crystal ball, we do find that there are interesting leading indicators for those who are paying attention, but most agents are not taught this. Um, right. It's not part of the standard, you know, kind of vernacular and standard, you know, uh, evaluation approach. But we find that that these simple metrics, simple things to look at can have a huge impact in, in giving us clues as to what does that market want and what should I consider doing for this property? Yeah, um, that's really unique insight. You know, like I could see like a heat map based on min partial full in an MSA about what's doing. I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, it would. Um, we could run yeah. some of that. Yeah, one one more follow-up on that uh point is do you do you look at the relationship of you know listing price to final price when you're looking at which of the types of renovations are trading out the fastest meaning like is there was it on the min or partial is there more ability for you know the the investor to sell the property with some discount in mind or not at all or like, you know, that relationship price to, you know, list to price ratio. Yeah, it's a good question. 
we don't currently focus on that because we focus on the sale price in the market transaction, regardless of what somebody's listing strategy might have been. Right. Because of that, we just don't really um, look at it from a broad perspective. But our underwriters will look at it from time to time, um, depending on the you know the the, the neighborhood and, and the locale, and if they feel they need to you know try to understand the dynamics a little bit more. But just a lot of noise. You don't you you don't know what their yeah. strategy was and why and. So we, for us, we really just focus on the, on the sale prices. No, that's great. That's awesome. What I'd love to do in in kind of this closing section session is or section is is see if we can do kind of a, a rapid fire session where where I I, I want to throw out different interesting topics or examples within this question of you know when looking at renovating an investment property. You know what should we do, and 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 how much should we engage in? Um, I want to throw out interesting topics one by one and kind of rapid fire, and and, yes. and let's see if we can throw our opinions out there and ha have a little fun with it. So, are you are you guys ready for that? I'm ready to do this. Let's go. We're ready? Yes. Okay. First one: hardwood floors, refurbish or replace? Yeah, this is gonna be it's gonna be this is gonna be hilarious because I think our opinions are gonna are, are gonna differ greatly based on personal preferences. Refurbish one hundred percent refurbish. I agree. I love I love keeping uh original hardwood floors. I think it adds so much character to homes. Yep. Timeless, as they say. Yep. Nice. And being and finding hardwood floors under shag carpets, you know, number one priority in life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Kitchen cabinetry. Paint or replace? Oh man, see, I'm gonna I lean more toward those like partial renovation types of ideas, and that may be just because that's my my that's where my skill set lands. Um, I'm more I lean more toward paints, even even uh, using two different color schemes uh, when in there. That that's what I like to see. Um, but that's that is my opinion. Hmm. So I, I'll differ here. Um, I think it's a focal point uh, the subconsciously or consciously of the buyer. So I think if supply chains are functioning normally and you can get them delivered on time, I would vote to replace them. But good paint also, does wonders too. Though. It does. I also think there's a there's a middle ground there too, where it's just the where you just change out the actual uh, front finishes to that, where you just replace like the, the like the cabinet door. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. There's definitely something to say for the retro historical look for sure. But people like their soft closed doors. They you know? do, they do. That's true. Um, okay, sweet. Carpet. Throw new carpet in or switch to LVP? Not a chance. No carpet. I, I think I I honestly think you limit yourself in what you can do in a space by making this command decision to put down a specific color of carpet. And I think if you go LVP, you have an opportunity to utilize area rugs and things like that that actually um, I think look better. But that's me. Uh, that's way better answer than I had. I'll I'll stick with what Jeff said. <laughs> <laughs> Appliances are they still worth putting them in if you're doing a minimum remodel? I think it goes back to a supply chain issue, honestly, um, and 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 time it takes to go to market. I think 100% it's worth it, um, but if what you're ordering is going to take 12 weeks, I would say no and offer a credit. 
Um, I, I would say replace them. You know, I would say replace them. Nice. Jeff, you're just too good at this. Maybe we need Patrick to go first. I'm only I'm good at short answers, like one sentence stuff. That's that's sure. my limit. Yeah. Okay. Front doors. Are they still as valuable as they were in the days kind of pre-COVID and pre-online shopping? Mm, I'm gonna I remember participating in in said front door changeouts and paintings. Um I'm gonna say no. Uh I think I just want to see some change from the COVID time. So I'm going to say no. And I don't know if I have a basis for that. I have an emotional connection to this answer. So maybe <laughs> I take this as a professional answer. Uh, my dad replaced our front door and it was like something he was proud of for the, like the remainder of his life when I was growing up. So I, you know, I, that sticks with me. I can't not un unlearn that. Right. So uh, and also, my, one of my favorite movies starts off with a discussion of the front door, which is Notting Hill, and he ad he addresses where he lives by the color of his front door. So, ah, uh, yes, I think it's I think it's important to make it beautiful, right? Uh, front door or not, curb appeal matters, I guess, right? Yeah. And that is part of it. So, you, yeah, maybe maybe I'll redact my my statement. Yeah, and historically, the front door has always been one of the best bangs for the buck yeah on renovation yeah over anything because it's always the first impression mm -hmm. it's telling the person who's walking in subconsciously what you're about to see here you could renovate the whole house inside and not do the front door and you will sell that thing for probably three to eight percent less than if you change the front door boom you're getting three to eight percent more and yeah. and vice versa you can do a partial and change the front door and people will think it's a fault. So historically it's had this unbelievable impact, but my question, and I don't know the answer to this because I, 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 you know, I've really been trying to stay focused on the services side of the business. So I've been trying not to let the deal junkie in me go. So I haven't done, you know, a lot of deals in, in the past, you know, couple years, but my question really is post COVID, with a, a lot of online shopping and, and it's it's maybe not quite the same buyer experience, but certainly things have gone back to open houses, et cetera. I'm wondering if, if, if front doors have been diminished at all. My mm. guess would be, I still hold with, with Patrick is that it's still, still super important. <laughs> okay. Next one. Basements, finish it, leave it or make it shell. Uh, I go, go with what the neighborhood does. Um, so here I live in Wichita, Kansas, everything has a basement. And so the, uh, you, yes, you finish a basement. Uh, that is what you do. Um, so that, that's going to be, a, that's going to be a bit subjective. Um, but I think you got to do what the neighborhood tells you to do. Yeah. You want, you want to make sure that you're looking at the, the, whether or not the, you know, the square footage in the basement can be included in evaluation, right? We certainly come across that question quite a bit, but you know, sort of less geeky technical as a parent. It's basements are amazing for, you know, that if you make it an additional living space, kids tend to really, you know, like basement playrooms. And, and you know, the, the, the flip side of that is if you don't have good storage capacity in your house, you can use, use the basement with like very low end finishes as, you know, store as advanced storage capacity. So, you know, it's kind of like, this is, I think I've gone beyond rapid fire, but I, you know, like it's, it's 
what does the neighborhood demand? And then, you know, what is the best outcome for your property? I think clearly what you should do. Nice. But if given the choice, I'm finishing that thing. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Adding a bathroom. Worth oh. it, not worth it. Man, Americans sure love their private bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know if that's gonna change. Uh so yeah, if you're uh if it is a one bathroom, that is a no brainer, you gotta do it. Um, well, full disclosure, anyway. Jeff makes his kids use an outhouse, so he might not be the person. No, just... you, you've met my kids, you would do the same thing. This is not a surprise. <laughs> no, I, I think, yeah, I think if it's, a, I think if it's, a, I think, the, I think it's more, the question is probably more like, do you create the ensuite or not? Right. I, I, yeah, I think, I, I think, and if you can make it happen, um, and if it's a, a low cost and it's not something that's going to add six weeks or seven weeks to your timelines, it's probably a worthwhile expenditure. Finishes um, and color schemes, poppy or innovate? Ooh, man, that that's hard for me. I, I, I feel like the thing I, I would like to, I would go innovate. I, no, I don't think I have any reasoning behind that. I think I would go innovate. But you are you are taking Patrick shaking his head. He is. I know he is. I knew I knew he'd disagree with that one. Unless you have previous success in being a wildcat or outlier, like doing things unusually that have succeeded, I would try to stick to the middle. Look at what else has been done in recent renovations around the neighborhood, and try to stick to that. Like because you have very colors are very trendy, right? Like, and you have to know what's trending as far as the color scheme goes but mm -hmm. um if you're really good you know conceptually at at design then you should trust your judgment but if you're like me and are not you know look what everyone else is doing and and, and try to match it <laughs> that's mm -hmm. all i yeah awesome well that's all i got so i ho hopefully this is worthwhile to the to the listener base and and and, and as and as we said if, if folks have got topics or things that uh that, that you want to hear about let us know drop it in the comments and um do you guys have any concluding or closing remarks in terms of uh you know how to think about renovation with investment properties yeah i think that i think that if jeff and i tried to do a, a renovation together we might have a couple fist fights about things <laughs> uh, no i love the topic thank uh, you to the listener for uh for to john you know, bring it to our attention. And, you know, we could probably talk for days about this. So it was a great topic. I enjoyed it. And thank you, John, for participating in the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think, uh, I think it makes sense. If you're in real estate, it's hard not to continue to vertically integrate yourself in real estate, right? So um, if you are a general contractor, it just seems like a normal step to figure out how you can further kind of control your own destiny, so to speak, by participating in, in the actual ownership of those properties. And so I, I, I think it's beautiful, man. I think it was a great topic. And, you know, like, if you think about just to add on that, like our, in our literally written underwriting policy, you know, a GC just having the license and being, having that skill set gives you an experience score, even if you've never flipped a home. That's how much we think and love GCs as, as borrowers of our, of our debt product. No, great, great call. I appreciate you saying that. Awesome. So until next time, thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you. Cool.